Welcome to The Real Deal Podcast. I'm Matty Marshall, and I'm uh, pretty excited to, uh, well, I'm not excited to announce the news that we got to talk about today, <laughs> but I am pretty stoked to have uh, to Brandon Cornell from the Los Angeles Ironman sitting in here. I'm one of the young phenoms of the game. Uh, but we got some bad news to break for everybody out there. But before we get into the conversation, uh, you know, as with everything, the uh, world rotates around uh, who supports you, who gives you money to do things, whether that be your parents when you're a little kid, the government so you can go to school, or you working your ass off so you can afford a nice car. Anyway, in order for us to have this podcast, we have to have sponsors. So this podcast is brought to you by the new and redesigned uh, DyePaintball.com. I got some sales going on right now, so help us support uh, you know the, the 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 podcast here by you know supporting the people that help us out. Um, they got some sales going on right now by Rotor and R2. Uh, 2015 i4 for uh, a little under 300 bucks, 299.95. It's a savings of like 90 bucks. You can get any die navigator, explorer, or uh, register gear bag and get a free shirt and shorts, saving you 80 bucks. Uh, you can also get a, a graphic print rotor and an i4 for uh, 249, saving you like 90 dollars. And you can also buy any reflex paintball marker, get a free ultralight barrel. Um, saving about a hundred bucks and the reflex prices start at about 449. So yeah, again, uh, thanks to Dive Precision. Definitely help us out here by, you know, checking out their new website and buy some stuff. Um, yeah. So Brandon Cornell, man, how you, how you feeling, dude? I'm feeling all right. Uh, yeah. a little bit bummed about my shoulder, but. So what happened, good. man? So the first time I heard it, obviously at the tournament in Dallas, mm -hmm. or I heard it the week before, went to Dallas, heard it again. And, uh. I thought I was, I, t I took the time to rehab it, was working out, and uh, I'd been working out for probably four, You've five You've been doing some months. shoulder shrugs? Looking yeah. like you're finally getting some traps on yeah, you. Yeah, I'm starting to get bigger. <laughs> yeah. I know, that's the problem. You're not like the little exactly. kid anymore, dude. <laughs> I was trying to get away from that. I've been working hard, and uh, I was benching the day before, and um, when I was doing it, I came home. Wait, the my, day before you originally popped it out? No, no, no. Um, the, the, the most, this yeah, most recent yeah. time. This is and, just like yesterday, right? Yeah, two days ago. Yeah. I was benching and uh, I kind of, I started to go up in weight and I was starting to, like I got home and I could feel pain in my shoulder and I like, the next day I just kind of forgot about it, you know, just didn't really let it rest. Went to the beach and it was the, I was so excited with my friends. I was like, oh, it's the first day I've been here in a week, you know, <laughs> it's a beautiful day out. Go in the water, uh, it's like me and my friend and like two girls and uh, we're going out, catch a wave. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, getting back in the summer groove. Trying to impress the ladies. Yeah, yeah exactly. So <laughs> saying, you know? Yeah, so we catch the next wave. And it was like, you know, those double waves, there's one on top of the other. Mm -hmm. First wave hits me. And as soon as I go down, I, it was like slow motion almost. And then the next wave hit me. And my arms, I just put, I put them out, you know, like a reflex. And uh, as soon as my hand hit the ground, it just popped right out. Were you at like Marine Street doing like I was at Moonlight mopping? Beach. Moonlight Beach. Yeah, I was just... I don't know, just hanging out, just going Brandon. to the water. I know. Dude. So, and it, the thing <sighs> is that I was just starting to get to the point where I was, I was forgetting what shoulder I hurt. <laughs> you know, I was feeling really good. Yeah. And uh, so it just sucks to do this. But I popped it out and didn't hurt as bad. Luckily, I was it was shallow, and that's why I got hurt. But luckily, I could walk back in. Wasn't Did it pop back in this time? or No, I, tr I tried to. It was getting close. And then, uh, like, once you wrap it up, then you're screwed. It's basically locked up. So I tried to do it for a few minutes and then went to the hospital again. <laughs> uh, this time they didn't give me any pain meds, though. The guy just gave me... Uh, so is this the third time it's popped out? Yeah. The, so he gave me, like, some muscle relaxers. And uh, you just have to, like, really calm down. Mm -hmm. And he 
basically bends your arm the opposite way away from your chest. And so when you dislocate your shoulder, you want to hold it. It gets locked against your stomach. Okay, so just as like a public service announcement for anyone that may dislocate their shoulder <laughs> in the future. This is how to um, do it. Yeah, since you've had to do this now a bunch of times. Yeah. Like how? I mean, I've seen a lot of guys, uh, you know, put their shoulders back in. Dudes that have had reoccurring shoulder problems that never really took care uh -huh. of it. Um, a lot of times they like seem to lean down and put yeah, it in that way. Yeah, they bend over. That's what I've over. always been told. And I, um, I try to do that and that definitely, it doesn't hurt when you do that. So it's like the best way to initially, I always bend over and try to get it in. Mm -hmm. But for me, there's something weird with my shoulders, the way it pops out, I guess. And so basically what, what you have to do is for me, at least I have to bend it away from my stomach a little bit past your hip. Mm -hmm. So once it's all the way out, he, uh, so like keeping your arm, well, you don't really have much, you don't have any control over it. No, it's just dangling there. Yeah. Well, actually, no, I, you can, you can like move your fingers and stuff, mm -hmm. but, um, it kind of feels like it's just hanging there. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just threw up on the mouth yeah. when you did that. Yeah. So he pulls it out and, uh, it was the weirdest thing. Cause the last time I was completely unconscious for it, when he put it back in, and, uh, Did they just put you oh, down? Oh, it was way worse. This is a this, good so one. So this was at the tournament, right? Yes. Yeah, so the one at the tournament, go to the hospital. I'm covered in mud. Like you can't even see me because it's Dallas. Yeah. And so these people <laughs> are trying. Like a nightmare. These dude. people are trying to clean me off, and like, granted, I'm in the most pain of my life. Like yeah. this one was horrible. This guy's trying to wipe down my hand. I'm like, ah, I'm screaming, like, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah. You know, don't wipe <laughs> me down. Yeah. Off me. <laughs> They're trying to pull off my elbow pad. I was like, there's no way that's coming off. You yeah. have to cut it. Yeah, cut it off. Uh, so anyway, they do that, and uh, they gave me some pain medication. And so the funny thing was, but going into that match, uh, like sometimes we take pre-workout before our games, mm -hmm. and Marcelo put so like usually he's the one who would bring it and he usually puts a ton of pre-workout in for the team filled it all the way up and everyone gets about a sip or two and it's it's basically like half a thing of pre-workout it's nothing much mm -hmm. and someone poured water in the thing and i figured that the whole team already drank it when i came back from warming up so there's about like probably a quarter of a bottle of pre-workout <laughs> you drank off like a like a quadruple dose or like I a 10 times dose six of... or seven scoops of pre-workout jesus Christ, bro. I know. So I'm, I, there's like three minutes I go on the field and luckily I look up, I was like, I need to get water. I'm going to throw up. And so I run back, drink some water, try to dilute it, go back out. I ended up playing. And, uh, I think that had something to do with them not being able to put me out. Like, uh, they had to give me like four times the amount. And then, so finally, once I was out, they, uh, they you know, that might have something to do with, um, I mean, interrupt, but I it just kind of peaked some in my memory and I have to research or like, I'm going to pull it up real quick, but read something about how it takes extra um, people that have red hair. It I takes, did read that. Yeah, it takes like extra. There's a different, yeah, there's like, something different. You know, like it's a higher higher tolerance mm -hmm. for um, anesthesia yeah. than other people. So that I might have something that. to do with it too. I don't think that was the case because this this last time was completely different. I think I was just like, and I was I think I was in shock too. My blood pressure was extremely high. Mm -hmm. And uh, so after they got it back, or the guy had to <laughs> tie the sheet to my arm and they couldn't get it back in from doing the normal way. So like, there was like two guys holding me down on the left, like this is what I was told at least. Two guys holding me down and another guy put his foot up against the bed and started pulling it with a sheet. <laughs> so they got oh it in. God. And so the thing was that it took my arm like three months just to get the numbing feeling to go away. And mm -hmm. I think that was why I was took me so long to rehab and mm -hmm. this last guy was so gentle about it and now I'm already like probably I could probably play in two or three weeks but it's just the it's, so it's, that's the question now you know exactly. we were kind of talking before we started a little bit surgery no surgery 
you know, we, my immediate, anytime anyone ever asks me that question, I'm, I'm always, my immediate thing is, well, what does, what does the doctor say? Yeah. And then have you gone to more than one doctor? Mm -hmm. So what's, what did the doctor say as far as surgery or no surgery was concerned? So I went to the initial doctor and, uh, <clears throat> we went over it and basically the option was surgery if you want it, or you can try to do uh, physical therapy. And so that was my first thing. I, I talked to a lot of people and I'd heard some stories where if you do surgery, sometimes it doesn't work out the way you want. And I know like Alex Goldman, he had his and he, for him, he didn't get surgery. He started working out and he got really strong and that ended up working for him. He's done. That's why he doesn't die with his left arm because he's dislocated it so many times. Mm -hmm. So I was basically going to try to do that with my left arm and just start doing that. But I did this before. I, yeah. And yeah. it's so it's your right arm? Yeah. Yeah. And that's like my main arm too. So I think it would be beneficial. I'm going to get surgery. It's just a matter of when I do it now. That's rough, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I, you know, I'm old. So I've had a lot of friends that have had shoulder problems. Um, and most of the guys I know that have had surgery on their shoulders, it ended up being a beneficial thing for them. Like they went from, yeah. you know, not being able to throw a baseball to being able to throw a baseball or, you know, having a shoulder that would come out all the time to, you know, fixing it so that they could lift weights to make it strong enough. And it doesn't um, happen again. But you definitely shouldn't be bench pressing, though, dude. Like, bench pressing is terrible for your shoulders. I know. Well, yeah. I know, but you're young and I know, I you think you're invincible yeah. until something <laughs> bad happens to you, man. I know. I've, well, actually, when I do all those exercises, it's weird because everything's connected. So doing benching, doing back, that back for sure helped me a lot. So doing all of the core muscles actually would just tighten everything up. It just really depends on the weight. Too. I shouldn't have been doing more weight. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah, like you want to give that a little bit more time. I know. But hey, live and learn, man. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's tough on your first. I don't first... think it was the bench though that did it. I just landed extremely awkward in the water. You know, you're going down put your hands up above your head. It's basically like a Superman dive, but yeah. So you said you called Shane up like immediately. From, <laughs> from the beach. Oh God. Yeah. So basically Shane Pistana. So that's in case our guys are unfamiliar with that. Shane Pistana is like, you know, the paintball legend that leads the ship and, uh, he's, you know, like the older brother type. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I look at my friends, like, oh, I dislocated my shoulder, go get a lifeguard. He was freaked out. Uh, he runs up, grabs the lifeguard. I go up there and I was, it was pretty fine. I was in a little bit of shock. Didn't feel any pain. And uh, ended up, they didn't really know what they were doing, so I just told them to wrap it up. And so I walked up, grabbed my phone and stuff, and like all my friends are like checking out my shoulder. It's like hanging up way above. Oh. And uh, I call my mom, and my mom's like, she's like, fuck, you know? Yeah. Like, sorry, am I allowed to cuss? Uh, uh, you only one or, two, one, or two, one or two in the podcast. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that, that was basically her reaction. Yeah. Um, and so she was shopping with my grandma, so they're just like, all right, we're on our way. Go to Scripps Hospital. Luckily, it was only like a mile away. And uh, so I called sh after that. I was sitting around and I gave my friend the keys to go get my car. And it had been like 10 minutes. I was like, Where is he? Were you pissed that, that you couldn't get it in this time? Or I'm sure you were, right? I was pissed at that, but it wasn't even, I wasn't even worried about the pain or anything. As soon as I did it, I just knew that like I was going to have to get surgery. That's basically what I was bummed about. And just, yeah. I'd been working really hard for the Virginia tournament. So. I know, dude, that's the big bummer because the story from coming out from Dallas, because as anyone that watched that point, if you haven't seen it, pause this, go and uh, check out the Ironman. Who are you guys playing in that game? Revo. Yeah, it's funny, the Revo. guy dislocated his too against me. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that. We both had Wasn't our arms same, dislocated same at the point. same time. That's crazy, dude. That's so, <laughs> it's insanely <laughs> uh, un, unlikely to happen. But, um, yeah, so, you know, you had that. It was pretty drastic when, when it happened. I mean, they had to, you know, like you said, take you to the hospital to put it back in. So then we were like, okay, is Brandon, I mean, you're young and you heal really fast when you're young. Yeah. 
Um, so that's one thing in your corner. And then the question was, you know, could you get well enough to play at the last event? And you did, and you played great. Um, and the team played great. And yeah. that was one of the kind of overhanging questions in general for the year for the Ironman was if, you know, with, now that Marcelo left, can Brandon Cornell step up and kind of fulfill this promise that mm-hmm. in the sense of, you know, promise being that you've been a highly touted guy for a long time and it's, it's like, how good are you going to be? You're, you're already it. really good. Um, you already can kind of hang, but you're not one of the top players yet. Um, still make some mistakes that mm-hmm. you shouldn't be making with your level of talent. But given your level of experience, totally understandable. And that's just yeah. how it works, man. It takes time. But then you came back, you played good, team played good. And we were like, oh, yeah, dude, Brandon Cornell is going to be able to, you know, like rise up from the shoulder death and come back and help the team out. So when I got this news yesterday, I was like, I didn't want to tell anyone. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. I've only told a select few people. Yeah. I was like, oh man, that is so frustrating. But at the same time, uh, I mean, look at the guys that have fought through injury and come back stronger. We, you know, we already mentioned Alex Goldman, yeah. um, Marcelo with his knees. You know, I mean, tons of guys have had these problems and come back and been a better player because, if anything, it kind of, you know, lights that fire yeah, under especially you. especially not playing for that long. Yeah. Well, that, that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about that kind of is – I just want to see where your head was at on it as far as, like, you know, because you're, you're 18 now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which means you're going to heal fast, but also you're about to go to college. You're going to go Cal Poly. Exactly. Um, you're a smart kid. You got a good future ahead of you. How what? How do you see paintball fitting into your life in the short term and in the long term? You know, what I mean, because I've seen a lot of guys that are really talented and could be really amazing, um, kind of f- not not really fall off or maybe take a couple years back off yeah. and then come back. I That's mean, CC did. Yeah, yeah, like so. But how do you see it playing out in your head? I mean, what, where's your head at right now? Um, well, I really, I love paintball and, uh, the, I've always like kind of put it off. Like, Oh, once I go to college and now the time's here. So I definitely see myself playing short term and long term. I put in like all this work to get to where I'm at now. I don't see it just throwing it all away. Well, for... And you have natural ability too. I mean, you took what natural ability you had, but you're also another good story of a guy that, I mean, it's not like, you know, you were the 16 year old or no, you kind of were the 16 year old. You've always been, people have always been like, oh, this Brandon Cornell kid's going to be really good. And you are 18, so that's pretty young to be kind of at the stage that you're at. But you did work to get here. I just hope, I mean, I love watching you play, so I'm just hoping that you you do want to fit it in to your life in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I've definitely, I've had a lot of conversations with guys who are are living the paintball dream right now, basically. And Mm -hmm. I definitely want to pursue it. I just need to figure out how it's going to work in with my school and what I need to do with that. I hope I don't have to miss any tournaments. I know, like, if a final works out with it, it depends with the professor. What well, he let says. me give you a couple lessons from when I was <laughs> going to college and light up a storm <laughs> about. I, I would, I would always, because I went, I was doing the same thing. It's, um, you know, I went to San Diego State and got a degree, but it was a bitch, dude, because I was working and trying to fit in Play, practices yeah. and tournaments, and um, it was, it was definitely a struggle, but. To me, the paintball side of things gives you kind of, um, you know, we've talked about it on previous podcasts if you guys have listened before, but you get a very rich education as far as what the world's like and then mm-hmm. dealing with people. Yeah. Um, because being in that team environment and having to accomplish goals, work together, communicate certain strategies, I mean, all of that mix is very, very similar to what's going to happen to you when you get into a business situation. Yeah. You have to deal with other people. You have to deal with pressure situations. Be able to work you together. Have, you have to be able to work together towards a goal. You have to communicate what you want and deal with what other you have to deal with criticism you know you have to deal with all of the things you know and which is why i'm always 
trying to tell parents like, hey, get your kids involved in tournament paintball because even if they're doing it at a really low level when they're in their teenage years, you know, just the experience you've gotten already, if I was sitting, if, you know, knowing what I know about the game, if, if you were sitting and you were kind of talking about that, I'd be like, okay, if this dude has been successful in that world, I'm at least willing to give him a shot if he's qualified to do this job and he's got a pretty decent resume in addition because I know this guy's been put to the test before, Mm -hmm. you know, so... Um, and, and, but, uh, so with the teachers, man, I remember a couple times, you know, uh, I just, I'd be like, oh yeah, I have to go to this conference. It's a, you know, like a convention <laughs> for machinists. Like at the time I was working in the warehouse okay. and, um, and so I would just say, yeah, I'd be like, oh yeah, I have to go to this conference for the machinist <laughs> thing and like, just sound, whatever, yeah, dude, yeah, like yeah. whatever at the time. And then if they'd be put, if there'd be pushback. Um, I would just start like, sometimes I'd just yell at the professor and I'd be like, you know, I'd like put that like face on, you know, I'd say like, look, cause you know, my parents helped me through college, but I'd say stuff like, you know, like, look, man, it was painful. Yeah. I'd be like, look, man, you know, I got to work too. And that's, and at the same time, I mean, I was working jobs at one point I had three jobs and was playing and playing tournament paintball. paintball. Yeah. I was like putting, I would go and put signs up. Uh, We had, it was all like, so buddy that was played, used to play on my old pro team back in the day, he owned like a company, a graphics printing company. Uh-huh. So there was, this was, you know, long ago. So there was doing, there was a lot of uh, uh, growth in San Diego at the time. So these new housing complexes would go up. So yeah. I'd have to drive up on Friday night, put these signs up on the route and then go back Sunday night and take them all down. Them all so up, I'd be yeah. like, you know, from midnight to three or four in the morning, I'd be driving this route, putting these signs up <laughs> and then go back and then sometimes just drive right to practice. Um, and then go to practice and then go after practice on Sunday, take the signs down. And then I was also like managing a movie theater and I was doing gun teching at a, at a paintball store too. Wow. Well, you got to do what you got to do to live, right? <laughs> and and going um, to school. Yeah. And going to school, but, but it did take me five and a half years to graduate. Okay. Um, so that was kind of a, you know, something I had yeah. to sacrifice there as far as not being able to get it done in four years. Um, but to me, the, the whole life of, you know, living a full life, you know, not just solely dedicating myself to like, oh, I only go to school. That's all mm-hmm. I do. You know, to me, it was, I wanted to get a lot more out of my yeah, ex- late, yeah, my yeah. late teens and early twenties than, sure. than just doing that, you know? Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I'd like be like, you know, you gotta work your way through school, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't have mommy and daddy helping me, you know, just yeah, when yeah. mommy and daddy were helping me, you yeah, know, yeah. but, but at the same time, I mean, you know, I, I wanted to go to those tournaments, so um, it didn't always work. I'll tell you that much. So, <laughs> but but so yeah, you know, so as, but it it's tough. Out. It's definitely tough. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping it works out. It should work out. Uh, I'm going up there in the middle of September, so that's basically when I find out. I know uh, I'm kind of bummed right now just because I'm lucky with Camp Pendleton being about 20, 25 minutes away. Mm-hmm. A lot of times if I'm like kind of stressed out during the week or something happens, I can always just go out to Camp Pendleton and do drills or because yeah. that's like kind of like, you know, it's kind of like an escape almost mm-hmm. and uh, go out there and play. So up there, there's a field kind of close. So hopefully I can work something out with them where I can at least go out there like maybe once a, once a weekend or something. Are you trying to go to school for uh, my cousin went to Cal Poly. He's an engineer. Used to I'm going to do marketing, I think. Marketing? Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's a really good school. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not easy though. You know, I mean, no. that's a, it's a pretty rigid. Especially your first year. So yeah. From what I, from what my friends were telling me. Yeah. But, but the thing is, is that, I mean, there's only five tournaments essentially a year. Two of them are during summer too. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you, you, you have to play it by ear, man. You know, yeah, exactly. I, another big thing too is that the other distractions, to me, it's not really the school because you should be able to find a way to manage yeah, that. It's the social. Yeah. You have to find a balance with that because I do want to like, you know, I want to have fun and 
of course. You know, you meet people and, you know, have that. It's like kind of like two different lives almost. So Absolutely. I just need to find a balance in between the two. Yeah. I think you'd be able to do it if you want to. Yeah. You know no, I, mean? I definitely will. Yeah. That's that's the kind of, well, you know, we'll keep checking in with you as, as time progresses. But let's talk a little bit about, you know, I kind of, you, I want to talk about how you got to this position and, you know, how you kind of got started playing the game. You know I mean? How, how yeah. did you get to be one of the highly touted, highest touted rookies in all of yeah. professional paintball? Well, for me, uh, kind of basically like everyone else, started for the birthday party with one of my friends. And uh, so many yeah, times tip, I hear typical, the, bir the birthday typical, party. Let yeah. me guess, 12? Uh, 11. 11. Okay, 11. Uh, a little earlier. Okay. Yeah, a little yeah. bit earlier. Yeah. I was scared. I didn't even think I shot a ball. I was hiding in a little ditch. <laughs> and uh, I think one of the balls bounced off the ground, hit me in the shin. I was like, oh, it's not, it doesn't hurt. You know, I started running around. And start, <clears throat> I was hooked, me and my friend Brandon. And uh, we started playing every weekend and uh, played for about a year. Met uh, one of my friends, Mark, Kid Ben. We found like kind of a little kids team. And uh, we started, there was at the old Camp Pendleton Park, there was this wood, or it was a dirt airball field. I'm not sure if you ever played there, but uh, we saw them playing. It was like, oh man, that looks scary. But uh, wait, the old school Pendleton? Yeah. Um, the dirt airball field, I think so. Um, did I ever tell you my Pendleton stories though? Mm -mm. Dude, I helped build that field. You did? Yeah. When I, but when I was, so I, I graduated high school at 17. The year I graduated high school, um, that summer, uh, the original owner of Camp Pendleton was a guy named before Sean, before Sean. Okay. It's a guy named Russell Maynard. Oh, I didn't know that. Russell Maynard was kind of like a godfather of paintball back in its original days. Um, particularly in Southern California, he was like, I think either the first or second editor of APG. Um, he was you know, a, a guy that was involved in like, uh, try to solidify the rules and safety measures within the sport. Okay. Um, he's an old karate guy. So he's like pretty bad. He's a great guy. He's, okay. you know, got yeah, rest yeah. his soul. It's actually interesting too, because my mother, um, uh, she, when she was going for MFA at Irvine trained under his mother. Um, so like, um, he came from good stock, good, good dude. So anyway, so he started the, uh, he started the, um, well, good dude, but he did kind of screw us on money a little bit that summer. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so, so basically, we went up there, and he well, he was like, "Hey, you know, I, I was able to get this land on Camp Pendleton, and I need some guys to come up and and uh, help machete out this field." And I'm I and, volunteers. Yeah, and well, so and and I'd been working at uh, Borderland Paintball Park, which is now defunct. Um, but so that you was like new, basically. Yeah, I, I've been yeah. working there since I was like you know for two years essentially. Um, and so I me and a couple, Davey Williamson was one mm -hmm. of them and another buddy of ours. We spent most of our summer during the days working for us going up there. And when we got there, it was just, you know, a field filled with just brush and reeds. That's and, perfect though. Yeah. And so we just literally carved, like we, you know, looked at it and we're with Russ and the three of us. And he was like, all right, what should, Let's I, get think started. The field, <laughs> I think the field should look this way. And then we just get breakfast, drive up, he'd drive us up there and we'd get a machete and a bottle of water. And we just head out there and that's, start. That's that's honestly so cool. And that's how we that yeah. So that's how the, we first built the very first camp wow. paintball park. Wow, I did not park. know that. That's yeah. really sick. And it was crazy. It was uh um dude. There was like snakes up there and all sorts of crazy. <laughs> yes, yeah, so yeah. I've been crawling through the bushes, turn a corner. Oh God, <laughs> run! <laughs> One of the most athletic things I've seen anybody do in my entire life was um. So Davey Williamson's a used to play for Excessive and Dynasty, um, legendary pro dude, Ironman. Mm -hmm. Um, so. You remember Davey, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you're old enough to he would because he retired a couple years ago. He retired basically when I first started. Yeah, but yeah, I've played with him a few times. So, uh, um, and now he works for Valkins. He's still mm -hmm. around paintball. Anyway, so 
Um, and Davey was always an athlete. Dude. He's a beast. Um, he played, you know, both ways in football in high school was like all league at 155 pounds playing linebacker, um, athletic dude. And, uh, and so we're, we're out there and it was lunchtime. And so, uh, I get a call on the, on the radio, Hey, come in for lunch. I'm like, okay. So I start walking down that, you know, one of those, the, do you remember the old school Pendleton, right? And the yeah, two yeah. dirt roads that would lead yeah, in. Yeah. So I'm, one. yeah, I'm leaning to the, the closest one, the one you would normally drive yeah, in. Straight one. Yeah. I'm just walking up that one and I, I'm like, you know, where the hell's Davy? And I see Davy's been cutting this path <laughs> in the reeds for hours. Right. Oh my God. So he's built this pretty solid path down to like, that's the back end of one of those, those fields. Uh-huh. So I'm like, Hey Davy, lunch. And he looks up at me and he's, you know, probably 40 or 50 yards away. So I'm like, got a clear view all the way down this little path of uh-huh. him. And he's like, all right. That so he's, he's been carving? That he's been carving. Okay. So he stops hacking, turns around and starts walking towards me. And I see him like step and he, cause Davey hates snakes. And I don't give a shit about snakes because I grew up on a canyon. So uh-huh. I dealt with snakes yeah, from an early to. age. So, um, so I see him like, I still, it was, I don't know how he did it, but I swear he, he, he stepped and like pushed off of the thin air and then and jumps <laughs> in the air, like oh, over, man. like using the air as like a pivot point. I'm like, and it must've been some weird kind of like visual so mirage or something from so far away, but it looked like he planted on an invisible box and jumped and off just, the box and then just starts running it's towards crazy me. crazy what your adrenaline yeah. does. Yeah. And he's just running towards me, gets me. So I'm like, dude, that was awesome. Why, why did you do that? And he's like, there's such a big ass snake back there. Oh, man. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm like, oh really? So I go over to inspect it because we can't have rattlesnakes out there while yeah. we're working, man. You know, and there's about to be, you know, hundreds there's of people. There's tons of them out yeah, there. Yeah, gonna start playing on this field. So, you know, I don't like killing stuff I don't need to kill, but you know, if it's gotta, gotta go, it's gotta go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so I roll up there and there's this huge snake, but it's it's pretty covered by the felled reeds. Mm-hmm. So I can't see its tail and I can't see its head. And I can see its markings a little bit, and I'm like, man, that looks like a rattlesnake, but I can't, it might be a gopher snake. I can't really tell. And so I'm like, well, better safe than sorry. So, uh, so I kind of look at kind of what I, where I think its head's gonna be, and then just, wha-pow, just like off. cut it, lop its head off, and pick it up. And it's this like, no, it wasn't a rattlesnake. It was like a, like a five foot huge, like maybe gopher snake, but it was like okay. a massive, like the biggest. <laughs> gopher snake i've ever seen in my entire life dude it was huge like it's been out there for 20 oh, years and then I felt bad that I, yeah and then i felt bad that i killed this thing that was you know relatively harmless i mean you still don't want to get bit one of yeah, those things no, but better safe than sorry but it's not a rattlesnake yeah 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 we used to have this uh little um little shotgun that we called the snake charmer mm-hmm. when i was working at borderland <laughs> And, uh, and we just turn snakes' heads into, like, blood confetti and <laughs> find one of them. But, um, but yeah, Camp Pendleton, dude. That was So you grew up kind of playing around Camp Pendleton. So you started yeah, a birthday so, party. Yeah, so we started playing, um, saw people playing for the first time on the air ball, and we were kind of too scared to do it. Someone kind of invited us to play, but we were still really new in the game. Uh, kept playing over there, and then that's when they made the new field over at uh, where it is now. Mm-hmm. That was just speedball. And uh, me and my friends drove over there a few times. We'd send the car too scared to play and would always go back to the other field. We were only like 12 at this time, maybe 13. Um, and then we started playing, and we would just kind of play with each other. And we did uh, this team called the Marine Team. And, I played uh, on the Marine Team. Yeah. <laughs> so we played for them. Uh, that's like Glenn Takamoto came out and was helping us, did clinics and things like that. So we did that, and then we ended up meeting up with an organization called the San Diego Pirates. Um, they're still around today. They're a Division One team. And uh, they actually helped us a ton. We were pretty rough at the time. And uh, us kids merged with these two people, Nikki and Fran. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Yeah, you know them. They come out. Love even, Nikki and Fran. Yeah. 
they come and help us out now and still to this day. And uh, so we met up with them. We made a team, and we were like the Division Four Pirates team. And uh, we had a lot of promise in us, apparently, from what people say. And so we played really well, and uh, I think we got second place a bunch. Finally won a tournament, and Mike Kimmon kind of noticed us because we were playing in his league. Mm -hmm. So he started helping us out, and then um, – <clears throat> Started playing with them. The Pirates brought us up to their Division Two team at the time. What year and was this? 2011? Okay. 2010. No, 2010. So I went from D4 to D2, and uh, that was a big jump for us. And I think that's what helped us a lot, just playing against better people all the time. And at the time at Camp Pendleton, we were practicing Dynasty and Ironman just losing 20 points in a row, you know, just getting the crap kicked hey, out of you. Yeah, dude, getting whooped up by people yeah. that are really good at you is going to make you either quit or get better. Exactly, real fast. Yeah. And so we ended up playing, and uh, Mike brought me out for a few Dynasty practices. And I think that was so huge for me. I still to this day thank him because that was – by the time I went to Trout for the Ironman down the road, I had already like been out there and played with uh, pros before, so I wasn't so like intimidated. Exactly, yeah. I wasn't so nervous. Um, Do you remember when you lost that fear of playing people better than you, and when you started to kind of crave, yeah, those, crave was, those experiences? Yeah, it was it was right when I quit the Pirates in 2013, and I started playing with this team called Collision for two events. And uh, LA Collision. Yeah, mm -hmm. I played with them back when it was a different team. Kind of, there's still a few people around, but yeah, that team good yeah they, they are yeah yeah they're gonna be good down the line um started playing with them and uh something about it something to switch I think I had been playing in the same system for so long just getting that new fresh feel of playing with different people different experience try to prove myself I think that's what that's what like kind of changed my mentality so went from there and then I tried out for the Ironman ended up making it and uh it's actually a funny story because I wasn't even supposed to try out for the Ironman. Uh, I'm not sure if you know. Really? Yeah, so... No, <clears throat> the, do tell. Yeah, hold on a second. <laughs> you need some coffee for yeah, this, this story. Yeah, no, so this, so this guy, Mike Grills, hits me up on Facebook and... Uh, I know Mike Grills. He yeah, used to work for Todd. Yeah, so I went down to Golden Tattooed, State. <clears throat> yep. Loud dude, funny. Yeah. Yeah. I went down to Golden State and uh, <clears throat> he was like, oh, would you be interested in playing for the Ironman? And uh, that's when Mike was coaching him. And Mike's, if anyone knows Mike, he's a really tough coach, but he'll bring out the best in you. Mm -hmm. And I was still pretty young at the time. And uh, I was like, yeah, like, I, I think I would like to play for the Ironman, possibly, if that's an opportunity. He's like, yeah, well, why don't you come up? Why don't you come out next weekend? Nate Mike Schroeder. Grills says this? Yeah, he said, because this at the time when he was kind of like an assistant coach with them. Okay. And so I was like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll come out. Talk to him on Facebook the night before. He's like, yeah, come out. We practice. Show up the next day, like 8 o'clock. Mike came and walked through, like, oh, what are you doing out here, Brandon? I was like, oh, I'm trying out for the Ironman. He's like, oh, really? And I was just like, and luckily I was friends with him, so he let me try out. And uh, <laughs> and he's just like, this kid doesn't have a chance at all at making our team, you know? Yeah. And Like, uh, oh, yeah, you're going to try for the team. Huh? Yeah, all right. exactly. <laughs> That's, Good luck, bro. You know, Good the, luck. The, the, the eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I ended up playing really well and just – I I guess it was like nothing to lose really, and uh, I was just I was just attacking, and uh, ended up. Is it, so that's what you went into that. What, like take me back into that moment when you were there. It's the morning. You know your your future is about to change. You don't even really know it. Yeah. But what mentality did you bring to that practice? Because a lot of guys out there may find themselves in that situation. Yeah, yeah definitely. Like, okay, I'm going to try for this new team. I'm, it's a step up in competition, regardless of what your step up is. Yeah. Whether you're going from first trying to get on a, a tournament team to you know, you've already been playing a couple of years and now you're at like maybe trying to get on semi-pro team or, yeah. well, you know. Yeah, and any experience. Any yeah, it's to get the same, but, it, but you have to bring that same mindset. Yeah. So kind of take I think for me, there. it was just, 
I felt like I was ready. I felt like I was prepared. I did the work in the off time. I just knew if I played my game and I just didn't hold anything back. If I was just aggressive and I communicated, I knew that, that I, I figured I would make the team. That's just how I felt. And I was just confident in how I was playing. I think that's the most important thing is just being confident. Self-confidence. It's, 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 it's really tough to be confident when you're playing against people like Marcelo and Maus, those guys. And so we ended up trying out, played pretty well Saturday, played really good Sunday. It was funny. We actually did a tryouts versus the pros uh, or versus the Ironman and mm -hmm. uh, this game called Red Zone. It was like one-on-ones. I'm not sure if you've ever done it. But basically, you get like five on f whatever. I think we had like six guys. They had their team. Uh, Marshall wasn't playing. There was like Mouse, Steven, all, all those guys. And so it's a one-on-one -on -one down the side. And we ended up, me and Nate, I think we each scored like three points. We ended up beating them. Really? <laughs> yeah, the tryout. And this first tryout? And they were furious. They were like, let's play again. And Hitman's like, nope, like you guys lost. Sucks <laughs> for you guys. So Hell yeah. After that, that was kind of got, that kind of got us noticed. And then they picked up me and Nate. So. Nate Schrader? Yeah. Yeah. Who's now playing Uprising, I think, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Well, that's kind of cool. I mean, so you made it on that tryout. You didn't have to come back and try out again. They were like, you're on the team. Yeah. Well, so basically what they told me, because I was playing with Collision at the time, uh, they were just like, if you want to play, it's going to be rough. Like, you probably won't play at all your first tournament. And I was just like, all right, like, it's okay. I, I, I want to be, be pro. I'll do whatever it takes. And so they were just like, all right. Like, when did you, but when did you go from, like, coveted rookie or I'm sorry, from just guy that made the team and you're going to ride the bench to mm -hmm. somebody that they were actively trying to cultivate. Because I'm trying to remember when I first started hearing your name. Last year was your first full year in yeah. in, the, in the league. Yeah. The year before, I think you were around for like two, two events. events. Yeah, I got on that Riverside. Yeah, so you were around for two events. Um, so you really only have, what, seven pro turn? Eight, no, now I've played nine? two years now. Okay, two full, two two, full years. Two full seasons. Yeah, two full seasons. Um so you've had nine events because mm -hmm. we missed one this yeah. year with the transition from the PSB to NXL. Um, so at, during that time, when did you go from the guy that like just got on the team to like the rookie that they're like, oh shit, this dude's going to be legit? I think it was, I think they were always kind of pushing towards that. Just like, we're just going to keep working with Brandon until he gets to that point. Um, I actually played quite a bit at Riverside for my first tournament because they didn't tell me I was going to play a point, and then I ended up playing like 20 points, I think. I remember and that, yeah. yeah. And you did pretty good. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, well, for me, I, I felt like I was going to start being like a starting player around Chicago the next year. It took a while. Well, didn't you, um, let's go back to Riverside. Didn't you have like, didn't you have like a, a, a ridiculous, <coughs> didn't you pull off like a two-on-one or something like that? Oh, it was against Dynasty at World Cup. That was, was, that, a, was a Dynasty? really long two-on-two. -two. Me and A-Rod, I shot Dalton across the field and then traded out with Alex. That was a big point. Yeah, that was a big be, point. They hadn't beat Dynasty all year. Yeah, that was World Cup. I feel like you had a good point or two in uh, Riverside, though. I lost a one-on-one. -on -one. Maybe that's, <laughs> that's what it was. Because I'm like going back. I, I mean, there's furious. so many games, dude. It's like, it's like literally, because the guy's like, you remember that one point and this and that? And I'm like, bro, I call 36 games in yeah. three days. Like, you know how many points that is? No, I don't remember that. Unless you shot three or four dudes. Like, no, I don't yeah, remember I'm that point where you were anything. in the yeah. back corner and shot that one dude down yeah, the line, yeah. you know? Um, but, yeah, but I, but I was going back and I was like, dude, I'm pretty sure I remember something happening with you. Cause okay, one on ones so are supposed one. to be my thing. Yeah. I practice one on ones more than anything. And I lost that one. I lost one at this last turn and it's just, 
There's nothing worse than losing a one-on-one. Well, it's tough, especially if you feel like you're a good one-on-one player, because yeah. not everyone's a great one-on-one player. Yeah, you know? I practice them a lot, and after I lost to Chad George, he played it really well. He did a great job. Well, dude, I mean, Chad George is like yeah, he, would, got, he wouldn't even shoot at me. He would just yeah, the pop dude's his got head like up ten years of top. experience yeah. on you, bro. In the, some of them in the that's the thing, those crafty veterans. Because that's the crazy thing about a one-on-one. A one-on-one is not just a snap shooting battle. You can do whatever you want. You can, you know, there's so there's it's it's almost like the style. And the, and the mind games come into play a lot. You know, you can give hand, yeah. fit, hand checks. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would always do that. Like, I'd push your bunker, well, shoot the other side. Well, and yeah, come one out of the, the things, because I, I, I did, I had some good one on ones back in the day, too. But uh, one of my favorite tricks was depending on what bunker, because a lot of times we were playing and it wasn't even necessarily on air ball, you know, mm-hmm. it'd be on hyper ball or be in the woods or something. But there was just like, you know, like I'd come out one side and like, then like if I knew it was, you know, coming out predominantly on one yeah. side and obviously favoring yeah. one side. Um, I'd get him set up on that side, make him feel like he had the, you know, he had established on me, but get him so that he, you know, where that guy wants to move, you know, and you can yeah, sense yeah, that. Yeah. You can you sense it. Let off of yeah, it. Yeah. So I'd like come out and like throw my hand out, just flash it one way. So which would cause him to switch his barrel that then way naturally. Out. And I just go like this and come right out and get, and get that snapshot <laughs> on him, you know, just and hopefully so he'd be out a little bit more too. To shoot because, the other well, side. Well, not only that, and he's going to come out to shoot the other side naturally. And then also he's thinking about moving. He's thinking about moving because you know, depending on the situation. And so hopefully I'd have as much of his body giving me <laughs> as much of a chance to hit that shot as I possibly could because uh-huh. I have a pretty good snapshot. So uh, just stuff like that. But like, if you're not thinking about that sort of stuff, yeah. you know, if you're like, okay, just win this snapshoot battle. Come on, Mark, yeah, just yeah. get this snapshoot battle. Like, you know, so that's that's one on ones are a tricky thing. So and Chad George definitely has some tricks up his sleeve, so I can yeah. see, but. Oh, yeah, one on ones are cool. I know it's funny. Actually, after I lost that one on one, I was I was so mad at myself. I I, I went back. I was like, I right, I'm not before this next tournament. I'm winning a hundred one on ones. That was the goal. <laughs> really, I won a hundred one on ones, but I don't know if I'm playing the next event now. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Oh. See, if we had just a one-on-one tournament, you could probably still play because it's not like you're diving uh, in a one-on-one play. situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so let's go back to the shoulder a little bit. I still want to kind of check in and get the, the rest of the history. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're only 18, so it's not like it's like I got yeah. 10 years well, of history to tell. My dad, but... he actually uh, used to have some shoulder problems too, so okay. I think that might have something to do with that's like Kirill. Kirill, um, you know, blew his Achilles tendon out. Mm-hmm. His father had also had Achilles oh, tendon really? problems too. So yeah. he had mentioned that when I was talking to him about that. But he's, you know, it's another guy that fully recovered from that. He's back to normal. Dude, talk about, I mean, there's a couple injuries that are potentially That's... like life-altering, career-ending injuries. And a blown Achilles tendon is one of them. Yeah. And he was able to come back from that. So, yeah. you know, I mean, the shoulders suck because you need it to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I don't know. So, okay, so surgery, no surgery, so you're going to go get a second opinion? Yeah, I'm going to do it next week. Um, I'm, like, 95% sure I'm getting surgery, though. Yeah. 99% sure I'm going to do it because you can just – I can't explain it because maybe only people have had this know, but you can just feel that there's something different. Even when I was getting close back to 100%, I could just feel – there's all and just like the pops in your shoulder. I I don't know. I don't want to live like that for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you're playing, especially in paintball, because for me, I felt like instead of playing 100% to the game, 10% of me was always focused on my shoulder, mm-hmm. like on a move that I would make. I couldn't dive, so I, I can't fully just go all the way in, you know? I have to do like a hip slide because I can't dive. Yeah, what, um, what's the, uh, the recovery time on that, that particular surgery? Uh, it's like four to six months. Four to six months, yeah, yeah that's, what I was, that's what I was thinking. 
I don't know, CC was telling me, because CC did it too, and he was saying that he was playing in about three months. But Well, you're super young too, man. Yeah, I, mean, if I you feel like done I'll that, recover fast. Yeah, I, I, for sure. I mean, have you ever had any sort of major surgery injury before? Um, I mean, I had a hernia when I was a baby, but that's about it, so no. Yeah, but you've been put under before? Yeah. Oh, you had to get put under for? Yeah, for my shoulder, yeah. but that's about it. That was the first serious injury I've had, so. A lot of people are scared of, like, the anesthesia process. I was excited. They told me they were doing it. I was like, oh, I've always wanted to see if I could stay awake during one of these, and I did. <laughs> oh, man. Well, at least you got that mentality, though, dude. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it's, I remember the, when I got put under, um, it was I, it was funny, because right before the, the guy or I asked the guy, I'm like, because no one had told me up to that point. Uh-huh. So I asked him, and I'm like, hey, what, what does this feel like? And he, he looks, and he was really busy and stuff, and he just looks at me, and he's like, and he stops You're for a second. And he, and he, no, he goes, he's like, he looks at me and just kind of goes, most people, most people find it to be a very soothing experience <laughs> and then goes back to being really, then you know, I was like, Oh, okay. And Calms then, you down. yeah, dude. And sure enough, it was just like, Vroom. yeah, you just and, don't even realize and you go out. to complete oblivion, mm-hmm. like complete. And wait, utter oblivion. Yeah. I remember waking up and just having my arm in a sling and there's like, if you can walk, you're out of here. I was like, all right, yeah. <laughs> hop up. Real Did you quick. have any problems when some people kind of have bad reaction to the anesthesia when they come back awake? But I didn't have any. I didn't. I, I thought I was completely fine. Apparently, I wasn't. I was back at the hotel talking like super slow. I told my team, I was like, oh, I'm good to play tomorrow, guys. <laughs> Shane's like, No, you're not. I'm but. fine. I'll be. I'll be totally okay. Yeah, Brandon, you can't was, even form yeah. coherent sentences right now, dude. <laughs> I was like, No. Everyone was staring at me. We were watching the 187 game because that's who we were playing the next day, and. Uh, I guess I looked like I had been taking pills or something. I looked horrible because everyone kept staring at me the whole time. I was like, what are you guys looking at, <laughs> you know? But. Oh, man. So so th- um, four to six months, you're saying? Mm-hmm. And so almost 90% positive. Yeah, it sucks, dude. Because you guys were looking good, too. I sp- But you know what, though? Even without you, the way that the team I- – I was really impressed with what the Ironman did at the uh, Great Lakes Open. Because yeah. I think I think they're going to be – no matter what happens, the Ironman would be a contender. I think that a lot of the players are stepping up. Al Fernandez, he played phenomenal at this last one. I'm not sure if you watched him play too much. Especially when you play in the back, you don't get too much credit. Mm-hmm. But guys like that, he really had a big tournament. He played phenomenal back there. So I know he'll do good on the Dorito side or back. And if I am able to play, hopefully I can do that. I was talking to Shane. He was saying maybe <coughs> only play right side because like sliding with that side is really easy so i'm not sure maybe i'll play this event get surgery after i haven't made up my mind yet yeah well again consult with the doctors you know yeah um but with the with that lineup on the d side for because you were you know dude i I really like i like the way cc plays man i think he's quick he's little plays aggressive he understands the game yeah he's a smart guy um would you get would you think would he play the one over there or who's gonna play the one i think danny abara cc because you guys have been doing he'd been over there a lot too cc's been trying to play the back center he thinks he's a back center yeah exactly why does everyone do that no cc thinks he's a back center player Every chance he gets, he wants to be. I remember telling the back. Mouse that same thing. Like, dude, <laughs> get your ass out of that back corner bunker and get up the field, bro. Get, put him in the like, snake. You did not be, Yeah, people. you did not become paintball famous by like playing peekaboo from the back corner bunker. Like, get your ass in the snake. Um, so I think uh, I think Danny Abara will will be over there. Hopefully, I'm playing. Um, Cece, well, Cece can obviously play the one. Uh, Danny Nealon, he's new. He's been playing both sides, so. 
He's definitely this past. I went up there two weeks ago, and he was looking really good. So that was good to see. Is he? Are those all NorCal dudes? I mean, I know yeah. CC's originally from here, but then moved to Santa Barbara. Yeah, everyone but me, CC, and Paxson are all royalty guys. Yeah. So, um, dude, Shane just building badass <laughs> paintball players. Dude, dude, he's got a camp. Decade up there. after decade after decade, dude. <laughs> he's got a camp. Yeah, there's a bunch of really good uh, up and comers. This kid Johnny. Is up there. He's a D two player. He's looking Johnny really good. What? Johnny what? Johnny Wan. Johnny Wan. I don't know. Shane Wan, was. I think yeah. it might have been Neilan or Caro because Shane was telling me a while ago about some kid up there that was just going to be a beast. Mm-hmm. And I'm just at Maybe this point, Jerry. I'm like, dude, which one? You know, yeah. because you got a bunch of those. They're young all dudes up really there. aggressive too. I think they just need a little bit of time to get the experience, the mental, and then. Well, that I mean mistakes in pressure situations is definitely something that happens a lot when you have younger players. Uh, but, and, and those were still there, but it, dude, it's paintball, man. You're never going to play a, a fumble free event game. ever. It's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Travis Zemanski right now would probably be, is, is, if he's listening to this, is shaking his head. He's like that one time in Europe, man, I didn't get shot. <laughs> we won every game. I didn't get shot once. It we was won the flawless tournament. tournament. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He had a flawless tournament. Um, they won like 12 games and he That's got shot once. That's actually funny you say that because right when I got on the Ironman, uh, after one of the practices, I, because I, I always looked up to Mouse. He was one of my favorite players, just the way he plays. And he played the same position at me at the, uh, as me at the time. And uh, right after the practice, he's sitting there. He's just like, all right, didn't make any mistakes today. And I was just like, what? Like, are you kidding me? You didn't make any mistakes all day? And that was just something completely new to me. Like, I, I would make tons of mistakes in a day. And for someone to say that they had a flawless day. Yeah, but at that point, he probably had to play 10 years yeah, yeah, yeah. to get to that point where then. he could go out to a day of practice. But that was my and have goal a day from like then that. on was to, yeah. to have a day like that. And yeah. so. Well, that was what was I thought was cool about your play um, to get to where you are now. You know, we'll see how you come back off this injury. But, you, you know, you did great the last event, even with still with the injury. But you keep cutting down on those mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, you lose a one-on-one, dude, that's a little different. I yeah. mean, that's a – you're playing a guy like Chad George. You're playing one of any of the top players out there, almost anybody in the pro yeah, ranks. it's a flip of a coin. It's a little bit of a flip of a coin. Sometimes you're going to win a little bit more. It depends on who it is, too. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you got one guy that should be favored in a one-on-one situation. Um, but still, uh, it, it's tough. But in the, but in the context of the five-man – game limiting those mistakes limiting the mistakes is really and, and then again across the board and that's what i kind of saw out of out of the younger guys on the ironman was that you know mike paxton had a great tournament yeah, he played great toke had a play has been playing great this year yeah. but toke's also been around for a little bit now yeah you know so i'm expecting him to have these performances because and i the last he time should I, be he should be i told him that too you know i was just like look dude you guys have a big legacy with the ironman that you're carrying because you know what was it i think the first day or something and he was like all smiles and I and I was kind in of, Dallas or at Cleveland. I think it was it was in Cleveland and uh, it was I think it was after the first day in Cleveland and he was like and he was like you know you need to be serious. Well, on, no, Tok. I was kind of messing with him a little bit because you know Toke's so happy go lucky. Yeah. You know, I was like, look, cut the shit, man. You guys have a lot of stuff you need to fix still, and I mean it's it's definitely still true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but still, it, it would. But I was like, no, but you guys are doing good. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, but. Uh, but Toke's been around for a bit now. Yeah, Toke's a great player. Yeah, he's, and but and he's starting to step up. Yeah, even in practice, you can just tell, you know, he just gets it. He's one of those players, too. So if, if you can get, <clears throat> like, Caro, Nealon, um, Abara, Toke, and um, obviously, you know, Mike, and this is going to depend on the layout, too. Mm-hmm. But you guys, are, I think, have enough weapons to contend. It's just going to be, again, as always, you know, what sort of performance is brought out at the event, depending on the teams that you play. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, heading to the next event, which is coming up pretty soon, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, three weeks away. Yeah, August 7th through the 9th, Virginia Beach. 
And yeah, I don't know. It sucks. I'm still kind of reeling from your, which as I'm sure you are. So honestly, I, because it's a great, you got a great story, man. You're only 18. You're like, you had this gnarly, I still think I'm going to be playing, honestly. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, dude, you got a long career ahead of you as long as you don't completely destroy your shoulder. So, you know, I mean, you might want to think about uh, erring on the side of caution here because you do have a good future ahead of you, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, again, obviously trying to weave in that college experience as yeah. well too, which is, which is going to be tough what to do after that. Yeah. It's definitely something to think about. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> I, I have mean, no it's... idea what I want to do. What do you want to do? I don't know. The more I've thought about, I love playing paintball so much and I just get so much joy out of it. Maybe I'd like to do something within the industry. Um, I don't want to get too burnt out on it. I know some of my friends who have done that stuff is it's too much. So I'm not sure. I would like to possibly do something within the industry just because I, I love it so much. But um, I don't know. Maybe work for like a sports company or I'm not sure. So you're doing marketing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, dude, the, there's so many different possibilities and stuff you mm-hmm. could do. And then also, um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of times when you, as you're going through college, you may decide to change, you know, yeah. like I changed from business administration to English just because that was kind of more of like what suited you. Better. Yeah. Suited my talents. And as far as like following my passion, I just remember sitting there in a statistics class and I was just like, and this I was like, not you. well, I had to like drive, you know, so like, cause I, at the time I was, you know, I was a manager at a movie theater and I, and I, and it's funny you say get burnt out on paintball and then I ended up coming back and have many incarnations throughout the years. But when I was working at the field in the store, I'd kind of gotten burnt out a little bit of like, you know, that was, that was it. Like go to work. I mean, I had like an awesome social life too, but mm-hmm. as far you know, I'd go to the work at the field on the weekends on Saturday and then play on Sunday and then go to the store three or four days a week yeah. and then do that. And I was like, dude, I just want to like get some other experience. So I started managing at a movie theater. Um, so when I was your age, essentially, um, I already had management experience in dealing with, you know, inventory and making yeah. sure that I'm counting, you know, on the, day of a movie that would come out or be hundreds of thousands of dollars you'd have to count in like a week period so i was used to dealing with like that sort of stuff so i was thinking oh with this experience like you know i'll get a business degree and i'll be able to go into that but just hated it man you know (laughs) like i just and i remember driving back through tracks i have to go home and then drive back through traffic to go to my statistics Uh class and i'm just sitting there in statistics class and i'm like dude this is the most boring shit i can possibly imagine um, and then I took a writing class and was good at it, so I just decided that's to do what, that. Yeah, well, because like my sister right now, she's up in San Francisco. She has a sick job. She works for LinkedIn, and uh, it's awesome for her. But I, I hear what she does, and it's just that's not me. That's not what I would want to do. You know, you have to take a yeah. hour bus drive to work. You yeah. know, it's just. But at the same time, you also have to. This is another issue, though, with kind of the younger generation is that, yeah, dude, you got to clean fucking toilets sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. you got to do shit you don't necessarily yeah. want to do. Um, but just because you have to put your, your, your pay your dues and work whatever job you have to do, you know, at the time to do what you want to do, Mm -hmm. um, and slowly but surely work into that, that doesn't mean don't go, don't shoot for the stars. That doesn't mean don't try to do what you want to do and don't, you know, you don't have to be miserable Mm -hmm. in your day to day, (laughs) you know, like that, that shouldn't have to be your lot in life to just completely accept whatever (laughs) shit pie you have to eat because, you know, you got to be strong and like work and this and that. it's like, yeah, you do have to be strong. You do have to work. Bad, it doesn't though. have to be it's abject misery day in and day yeah. out. You don't have to torture yourself. Um, so, you know, I always, when I'm talking to younger guys, it's like, yeah, be prepared to work your ass off, but hopefully you're working on something that you that do you enjoy, enjoy doing. Yeah. yeah. And I remember when, before my grandpa died, he was, and I remember in, in his, 
my parents, it might have his 50th wedding anniversary. I can't remember the exact date, but it was a couple years before he died. And I was like, I sat him down and I was like, at the, I was old enough at that time to understand. Um, and I got past that young, arrogant. I'm sure I was still stubborn and arrogant, but I got to the point where I wanted to, I tried to talk to as many old people, older people as I possibly could. And not just grandparents, but like my aunts and uncles or like older, mm -hmm. older dudes or just anybody that had more life experience than me. And yeah. I was always asking them questions like, what should I read? What should I watch? What should I do? What should I, what do you think about yeah. this? What do you think about marriage? What do you think about what love? What do you, yeah, yeah. How did you get to be successful? Cause my grandpa was really successful. He's an engineer. And it's funny. Cause like in my family, you have engineers and then like teachers and artists. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the, there's like a split. What are um, you down the middle? Yeah. And, um, Definitely more. Uh, I mean, I'm not an artist. I can barely draw stick figures, but um, I mean, I feel like I could write pretty well. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <clears throat> but yeah. So it's you know. But so that's a split. But I, so my grandfather was successful. Had five kids. You know, um, he he had a great life. And so when he was a couple years from death, I asked him. I was like, you know, what's the secret to life, man? Like, what what? Please give impart your wisdom upon yeah. me. What are you saying? And he Enjoy wasn't a man of many words. He wasn't a very eloquent dude that was would sit there and like bend your ear for an hour and mm -hmm. tell you like walk you through all the crazy shit that happened to him or all yeah. this sort of stuff. But he grew up on a farm in Northern California, and so anyway, but uh, and he just you know he kind of thought for a second. He's like, he's like two things. One, marry your best friend. <laughs> if you don't do that, you're going to be miserable. And in addition to that, get <clears throat> used get used to saying yes, dear, a lot <laughs> and pick and choose your battles. <laughs> and I was like, you're after, okay. and I was like, okay, you know, um, and then, and then the next thing he said, he's like, and I don't care whether you're a garbage man, but pick something that you love to do, mm -hmm. do it very well and work hard and you'll have a happy life. Yeah. That was it. You know, that's all he said. And I was like, sat well, there and thought about that. One yeah, well, I was like second. hoping for a little more, you know. I wanted like the Rosetta Stone to life. But now but as like, you grow up, yeah, but you as you grow up, it's like saying. you know sometimes the simple advice is the best advice. Yeah, marry your best friend. Get used to saying yes, dear, which basically means like you know marry someone that you're not gonna be at war with all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, get used to saying yes, dear, means get used to compromise. Yeah, you know, no, don't always try to force your way upon everything because yeah, it's that's, not always gonna go your it's way. It's not always gonna go your way, particularly with your significant <coughs> other. You get, there needs to be a give and take, mm -hmm. um, and then pick something that you love to do. Do it. Yeah. well and work hard that's it man you know i mean that was a pretty succinct view <laughs> of like having a great life right um so you know when you're kind of sitting there like wondering what you want to do for the future is that don't put too much pressure on yourself right i mean that's yeah. why you that's why you have the luxury of at least in this society if if you can go to college you have you an extra four years to yeah you do you have a little bit of time to to kind of figure out what it is that you want to do mm -hmm. you know and and then then train up to do that and another thing that's kind of scary about college because it's so expensive is that it's like everything that you know about your trade is going to change by the time you're graduating <laughs> college, particularly yeah. now, you know? So, you know, try to stay abreast as much as you can, get internships, mm -hmm. abreast of the changes. Yeah, that's, within that's that another thing is doing internships with paintball, trying to figure that out. So a lot of stuff to do in these next four years. But um, like you were saying with your, uh, with your grandpa, usually I don't talk too much about this, but I think this could be beneficial to possibly other people listening. My dad passed away a few years ago, and I think that's that's like a big thing that changed me. I think that it just makes you like realize that you want to do things, like do something that you love, you know? Like at any at any moment that could just disappear, you know? So I think that's one reason why I've stuck with paintball and why I will. It's just because like I realize that, you know, you're not going to be around forever. 
and do something that you love, you know? It's not all about money. So I think that's I think that's the most important thing for me at least. Yeah, I I totally agree. Um, you know, sorry to hear about your pops. It's always tough to when you you know, can't imagine losing parents at an, at a young age, but that ages you very quickly. Mm-hmm. And it also does give you an appreciation for life. Yeah. You know, I think that that's another thing too is that you do kind of get roped up a lot of times in the day to day and kind of cease to have that childlike ability to appreciate and wonder about how amazing everything is you know like when kids are young they're just picking everything up putting everything in their mouths (laughs) they're just like constantly astounded at the magnitude of life yeah and then over time you're like okay yeah this is a cup and this is a table and you kind of just get codified into this is how things are and that's how i think a lot of times people cheat themselves out of the full richness of the life experience is by becoming stuck in their ways, refusing to want to see other people's opinions about things or empathize with other humans. And also just enjoy your time, man. Mm -hmm. You know, whether you get 30 years or 90, it's in the grand scheme of things and not even a blink. Yeah. You know, so. Well, I think going back to what you were saying about uh, one of the reasons why I got to where I was so quick, I think I was thinking about saying this earlier. I decided I wasn't going to, but it would be beneficial. I found a lot of like, just going out to paintball is kind of like my oasis. I would go out there and I would just play all the time. And then uh, after my dad passed away, I was just out there every weekend. And that was just kind of where you go and you just don't really think about anything else. You know, it's just what's going on during the point. <clears throat> and I think that is a huge reason of where I am today. It's just because I worked really hard. I started playing like four times a week. You know, it's just where you can go and it's just where you're comfortable, you know? I think it's. I think that's a good point because I think a lot of people find solace and um, almost like a it's almost like a, a physical meditation in yeah, a lot of ways. Sure. You know, that's, I kind of, I, my term for it is adrenaline Zen <laughs> because I really feel that by kind of getting out, using your body, going and participating in this other world. And where, the people you meet out there too. Yeah. Cause that's the thing you go into this world and it's like a completely almost self-contained thing away from everything else, away from the main stream of life, mm-hmm. you know, your, your constant day-to-day bullshit that you have to deal with. Yeah. Um, and and also just the, the way that your the mechanics of how your brain works, when you're in those moments within the, the, and this is why I just think that paintball is and why I work and do what I do instead of doing something else is mm-hmm. because I do feel that paintball is an incredibly positive force in a sometimes increasingly negative world, mm-hmm. you know, where it lets you exercise the demon that exists within you, yeah, you know, it, that you it, can't do anywhere else. It forces you in a lot of ways to both harness your ego and check your ego at the same time. You are you know, it's, that's why baseball is kind of an interesting sport. Um, it's not quite like paintball, obviously, but it's a humbling sport. Yeah. The best of the best are successful three attempts out of 10, mm-hmm. which breeds humility into you, you yeah. know, same thing with paintball, you know, I mean, you're going to lose so much more than you win, yeah. particularly if you're trying to get better. Like you mm-hmm. said, you'd have to go out and play points and lose 20 points yeah. in a row, not win a point. You may go a day without yeah. literally winning <laughs> a happened. point. Yeah. We used to practice the Ironman, get bunkered five points in a row. Yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. You're oh, getting, man. <laughs> yeah, you're getting skull mashed five points in a row, but there's a, but through that physical exertion, through that pain, there is this kind of window into this, this almost beautifully peaceful state. You know, it's funny. Cause I remember asking my, I remember this a long ago, but my buddy's now a cop. Um, good friend of mine in high school and he was, you know, he asked me cause I'd got, when I, when I started, when I found paintball, like I've stopped playing all the other sports that I was playing. Mm-hmm. Um, at least like competitively, you yeah, know, it's the same with me. And I, cause I just love paintball so much. I thought it was such an amazing thing. And so, uh, and I remember he asked me, he's like, what is it about? I, 
what, what is it about the paintball? And I was, I hadn't really kind of wrapped my head around what was special yet about mm -hmm. that. I hadn't had the 20 years I've had now to yeah. kind of reflect on that and figure out, talk to hundreds of other people yeah. and figure out what they loved about it. But, you know, and I said to him, I was like, man, you know, when you're playing the game, it's so intense and so immediate that that moment is the only moment. Mm -hmm. And then when you're driving, I, when I, I always remember I, when the first, like, year that I was playing paintball, the drive home was always so peaceful. Just thinking of all those. It was just so, but it was, it was, it was well, yeah, I'd be thinking about what I was doing, but I just, I don't know what it was, but it was like the state of bliss would descend upon uh -huh. me, you know, and I would still get that to this day, Yeah. you know, where it's like you feel some sort of, you know, and yeah, what are we really doing? We're just running around playing war, <laughs> shooting gelatin capsules at each other and yelling and shit. And, and I mean, you're not really truly like, we're no one's, we're not curing cancer, you know, we're not like putting a man on Mars. Yeah. But it, but it does kind of give you this kind of sense of, um, and haters would say a false sense of fulfillment, but fuck that, man. Yeah. You know, it, it, it really is, I think, a, a positive thing because, you know, human beings, when you look at human beings' happiness, a lot of it, ex happiness exists when it's, you know, revolves around putting in some sort of effort, um, achieving self-mastery. Yeah which I think is a paintball can be a tool for self-mastery, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that you can take those lessons to the rest of your life because, you know, when you're in some intense argument with your team about whatever it is, or, you know, when you just got shot 30 times and bunkered <laughs> or whatever it was like, you know, it, it ratchets the volume up so much in your mind because of, of the chemicals of how our brains work. Yeah. You know, you have so much adrenaline going in and then when you leave, you have a lot of dopamine. And, and so, um, but it just turns the volume down on the rest of life. So if that dude cut you off, you could give two shits, yeah, dude. Exactly. You don't care, man. You know, like you just, you just let it all out. You, you let it all out. Um, this, uh, it, uh, it's kind of a, you know, cause, and a lot of people use like meditation for that or use yoga for that or use working out or running for that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's paintball is just one other physical yeah. manifestation of some sort of you exerting effort, uh, physical effort in order to, cause dude, we didn't grow up or we did not evolve to just sit at these desks, you know, all day <laughs> long and type on these, you know, these, these computers and, and correspond <laughs> with each other through like emojis. Like we, that's not how we evolved, man. We evolved as a communicative species that was able to like build things and work with each other. I mean, you know, none of this civilization would have been built if we couldn't cooperate mm -hmm. and communicate. And so, um, the, the, the fact that you have to do that within the context of a paintball team and then you're physically exerting yourself. And, you know, it's like when you play paintball, it's like playing yoga all day long, you know, like you're just constantly in all these weird <laughs> I know, positions. I, know, you know? I was cramping up last weekend. Yeah. yeah. And so, I just think that that finding those those moments of, of you know those moments of clarity is just something that should be applauded and I think that that's one of the reasons it's so addictive as well too. Yeah, for sure. What you get out of it, how yeah. you feel. Yeah, totally. Because you just again, it just it turns that volume down. You know, like you don't really care if like you get a part. I mean, yeah, sure you're gonna care, but it's like not that big of a deal mm -hmm. if like who gives a shit if somebody cuts you off yeah man. i'm not gonna want to go punch that dude <laughs> i just shot 50 people this day <laughs> day you know i exercise yeah demons out, it dude. All out you're obviously in a hurry bro i'm gonna slow down a little bit you can go <laughs> you, can you go it. first man you go first bro no big deal so but yeah it's i'm glad you shared that you know i appreciate you being um emotionally honest with that it's mm -hmm. that's always a, obviously the toughest thing to deal with um, but you know, that's, that's one of the reasons that I think that paintball has be become what it is, is it does, you know, once you put that mask on, you walk between the nets, it's a self-contained world yeah. and you can forget about the girlfriend that left you or yeah. the job you just lost or, you know, the partner or, you know, whatever, 
Um, all that shit just goes away yeah. for a little bit, man. And gives you some time to, to space, you know, gives you a little bit of exactly. space. It's, you're not always thinking about it. Yeah. Because, you know, when people are like, oh, you don't want to run away from your problems. It's not running away from your problems, dude. Just getting a break. Yeah. You need to hit the pause button on your problems. <laughs> Think <laughs> of something else. Yeah. You know, and, and obviously, you know, physical exertion is shown to help decrease levels of depression and increase the, you know, the good feel good chemicals that mm-hmm. exist in your brain. And, you know, so yeah. And I'm, it's, that's. Very important to me, you know, absolutely. I've, you know, been in situations not, not as bad as that, but, you know, I've lost people that died young and, you know, definitely found paintball to be a, a great help in, mm-hmm. in dealing with those those things. Yeah, well, dude, I wish you the best, man. Hope, uh, <laughs> I hope, I hope the shoulder heals quick. I know it's going to heal quick, yeah. dude. You're 18 years old, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're going to be fine. You're going to be totally fine. You're going to come back stronger than ever. And uh, wish you the best on it. So when you so this it's your summer right now, and yeah. then when are you moving up to Cal Poly? Uh, September 11th and 12th. Go up there. I'm going up there next week for my orientation, mm-hmm. and then move up there the 11th. And uh, got to figure it all out. <laughs> yeah. You... At least I'll be closer to the San Jose guys because now I can, when we go up to practice up there, it's like eight nine hours to get up there. That's true. That I mean, that could be a blessing in disguise. Almost. Two and a half hours. Now, I mean, you don't so. have you don't have Pendleton right here, but you're going to be pretty close to the two, NorCal two and guys. Two hours, yeah, and it's a really easy drive. It's hop on the one. Super nice out there too. So yeah, really excited. Yeah, until an earthquake destroys none in California, <laughs> at least. Dude, did you? I don't know if you saw this recently, but uh, I was reading this article about um, the uh, there's a uh, I think it's called the Cascadia fault line up in seattle it was probably one of the i mean because people when people move to california like oh dude earthquakes Earthquakes, and earthquakes and there's sharks in the water and like you know (laughs) all this stuff that like the mexican cartels are cutting people's heads off and i'm like yeah there's so oh it's so crazy here please don't come because there's so many people moving yeah i don't need any more people i'm like yeah dude sharks kill somebody every day (laughs) it's crazy i mean i found a head a headless body down the street from my house it must have been the mexican cartels you know so uh and with the earthquakes, I'm like, dude, particularly in Southern California, even Northern California, like Northern California is going to get rocked by a very large earthquake at some point in the future. <laughs> but, um, but as far as like, hopefully not soon. <laughs> no. Yeah. But as far as those, uh, but dude, I mean, it, it, not like the ones up. So dude, if you're listening to this, Google, um, uh, Seattle being destroyed by an earthquake, just Google that. This. Oh my God, dude. It was like this article. I think it just came out not too long ago. It was in like the Atlantic or the New Yorker, or some prestigious magazine, mm-hmm. very well researched, but holy shit. What is a big one coming? Yeah. Dude, it, it, essentially, <laughs> That's it's where like Nate is. Yeah, it's I know. <laughs> Nate, look this up. <laughs> yeah, Nate, seriously, bro. Like, get just out of move there, at, back move, to California. <laughs> no, move out of the tsunami zone, bro. Like, it basically, oh, dude, it was it was probably one of the wow. most frightening things. And so, well, not only that, but if you're from the Pacific Northwest, you need to. Uh, this is no bullshit, dude. Email your congressman and tell them that you guys need to work on earthquake preparedness more because and read this article because it was. I'm just trying to spread the word, dude. It was super heavy. Uh, I mean, it's basically saying like, you know, the earthquake that just hit, um, to hit Japan. Mm -hmm. So for, as the Pacific Northwest was settled, um, there wasn't a history of, you know, they didn't know that, you know, obviously, you know, when you're, you're in California, like, dude, I'm old enough to have lived through a bunch of earthquakes. Um, that's just kind of like par for the course down here. You know, you're going to have, we're going to have like little mini earthquakes all the time and some bigger ones on a semi-regular basis. And then a really big one every couple hundred years. Yeah. Well, up there, they don't have any earthquakes. Like, there's very rarely any earthquakes. And so, but the way that those the tectonic plates are moving in that particular area, they're stuck. 
Oh, and they've yeah, had so it's like, creating a big yeah, one. and and so that particular fault line can produce an earthquake potentially up to like 9.0, and that and the Richter scale is you know goes up exponentially, mm-hmm. and so, um, and and there's wow. very very little uh, level of, of preparedness from a construction like how they build their buildings. Oh, because they weren't even prepared for this. Exactly, and they just didn't know any better. And then also from an emergency preparedness oh, wow. standpoint as well too. You know, I mean, you go to Japan and there's like tsunami evacuation routes posted, and they have warning bells and like well, systems. So what would in they place. even do to prepare for this? They can't take down their buildings. Well, right? they need to. What they need to do? No, but they're they can definitely retrofit um, and support. Like them. even like your house. Like if you live in the, the construction codes in California are very strict when it comes to seismic activity. So for instance, you know, you go in and look at your water heater your water heater is bolted to the the wall, the wall yeah because if your water heater isn't bolted to the wall and an earthquake that's bigger than say 5.0 comes through that area then your water heater is going to fall over and sever the gas line in your house that mm-hmm. r- runs you know if you have a gas water heater which most people do so and then just whatever magnify that times a thousand over all this different stuff that all these different things you can do and um, because also what happens is that when an earthquake goes off, the first set of waves that come through are um, they're, they they hit about what is it like I think it's sixty to ninety seconds ahead of the actual like start of a big earthquake. You should definitely read this article. Okay, dude. yeah, it, yeah. It yeah. breaks, all this, this. It breaks all this stuff down. Um, but what they what that can use is um, you can put sensors within certain facilities like gas plants and mm-hmm. hospitals and you know so that it can alert doctors to so stop you know that before it cuts into your heart. Oh, the earthquake thing just went it's off. There's a huge earthquake seconds. coming. We need to stop this because if that earthquake Let's hits, they don't know. Or even just give you a head start because what happens is the earthquake goes and then the tsunami comes. So, and I don't mean to scare the shit out of people, but like, like imagine that? But dude, but, but seriously, like they, so they went and did geological studies of that particular area of that whole Northeast, I'm sorry, Northwest that from Canada, basically down to North, all the way down, like yeah. all the, the tip, like big part of, North, you know, California is huge. So you're not really even moving to Northern California. You're moving no. to like central <laughs> California. Up, yeah. yeah. So, uh. Um, but what happens is, so those, the big earthquake goes off and then about, depending on where you're at. So if you're, um, in like, it's like 15, it just depends on where you're at, you know, for all the way, even all the way over to, uh, and it was pretty crazy how they did this kind of, um, scientific sleuthing and they did this like Sherlock Holmes type shit to figure out how, how exactly, and you know, um, the timeline of when these earthquakes occur in the Pacific Northwest, and so are they, they trying to gauge when it's going to happen? Yeah. And so they gave it like essentially the, the chances of there being a significantly major earthquake enough to do millions of dollars of damage within the next 30 years is like one in five. And the chances of there being like the big one, like the quote unquote mm-hmm. big one that comes and just destroys Everything, tons and kills yeah. like lots and lots of people is one ten. In the, in the next, like, 30 to 40 years. Oh, my God. So it's going to happen in, like, 100 years. Within. In 100 years for sure, for certain, you know? <laughs> this is, like, when the experts are literally saying things like, you know, I mean, it was so dire, bro. Like, I, I was reading this, and I was like, oh, my God. This I'm is probably this the bigger. scariest thing I've read that's real. Where did you see this? It's, like, past two days. 
a couple people had posted on Facebook, like, if any of my friends in the Pacific Northwest, you have to read this. It's a real article? Yeah, it's like oh, from wow. the, it's from yeah, like, I need to check th- this out. This isn't on like earthnews.net, like, <laughs> you know, or like conspiracytheories.tv. You know, uh-huh. this was on like the Atlantic or the New Yorker. Oh, wow. Like, this was like a, a legit publication that doesn't put bullshit out into mm-hmm. the world. Like, especially something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, even at the end, you know, it's, it's like seriously, like, because if they can plan a little bit better, then they can save a lot of lives because. You know, there's, prepared, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're basically saying that everything west of the five is going to be changed and altered permanently. Like, and that's including the towns of like a lot of Seattle and like, I mean, like major, huge millions, we're talking about millions of people here. It was crazy, bro. It's, it was insane. It just made me think of that because I was like, oh, earthquakes. Oh my God. I won't tell, every, <laughs> everyone, tell everybody about this. <laughs> Need to talk about this yeah, story. Yeah, no, it was, it was pretty crazy. But um, yeah, I'll send you the link, dude. Okay. Definitely check yeah, it I want to check that out. Yeah. But um. Yeah, well, again, dude, appreciate you sitting in here. And, yeah, thank um, you for having me on here. Wish thanks you for was, listening, guys. We, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to The Real Deal Podcast. Uh, again, please help out our sponsor, Die Precision. Check out their new website. Got some sales going on if you want to pick up new rotor, new goggles, or new gun. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to the uh, next NXL event. It's going to be going down August 7th through the 9th. Um, yeah, I, you know, as always, man, I have no, no idea what's going to happen, dude. Yeah. No one, nobody knows <laughs> but the paintball gods. So, yeah, thank you guys, and I will see you guys next time. Peace. Thank you.